0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com citizens. All right, let's pray. Miss Tiffany, why don't you open us up in prayer, and then uh, we're going to d- dive right in, all right? Um, dear God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here together and to watch Sam preach in person. Lord, it's been a, a long time for a lot of us, and I pray that you would just give our governors and our pastors and everyone wisdom in the process for opening up our churches, and hopefully we can meet together all soon. Um, just keep everyone safe, and uh, just bless everyone with this sermon You your mind and pray. Amen. Amen. Make sure we include that prayer in the video. That'd be awesome. So, I'm just kidding. Oh, no, it's already there. So... All right, citizens, welcome. First time t- seeing real, real live students in the room here. So I'm glad you're here. Go ahead, and open up your Bibles. Uh, Philippians chapter two, we're going to be jumping into verse 19. Um, but before we do that, I want to show you a graphic picture. Okay. Um, I'm sure there's been some time in the last few months that maybe you've been frustrated. Anybody been frustrated? Okay. I'm going to show you a picture of the most frustrating experience you can ever have in your life. Alright, trigger warning. So don't rage, Micah, sit down. I don't want you flying off the handle here. I'm going to show you the most frustrating experience that I've ever had in my life. And I wonder if you've ever been here. You guys ready? You ready? All right, here we go, ready? Trigger warning, here we go. Boom. Have you ever been there? How many of you guys have ever tried to put something together and you look like this? Yeah? You see, what's funny though is it never starts like that, right? Like your boy's always coming out of Home Depot. And in my mind, I have like epic music playing and I'm just picturing myself putting this thing together. And in my mind, I look like this. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm coming out of Home Depot, I got the utility belt on, I'm getting the hammer, the tape measure, the, the, the utility stuff that you use to put things together. And I just hear like Iron Man like ding, ding, ding. My wife's like, how long do you think that's gonna take you? I'm like, babe, 10 minutes tops and before you know i'm gonna emerge from the room holding my my bookshelf like this you know i just feel like it's gonna be so good but then i open the box and i'm like okay i got this but then i realize that the instruction manual is all words it's like literally gibberish right? it's literally written in different languages that i don't know any of them except for english and some of it Nope, not a single picture. And I realized as I'm sitting there on the floor losing my confidence that I actually don't look like this. I look like this. (laughs) And I feel like Home Depot just dropped a planet on me. You know what I'm saying? Because as I'm trying to put this thing together, it doesn't matter how precise they are with the screws. It doesn't matter how many arrows they have. It doesn't matter how many labels they have. I just want you to show me a picture. Don't teach me, show me don't just teach me, show me. I actually put together a bed frame uh, for my son from Ikea and it was brilliant. You know what Ikea does? They actually don't put together, in their instruction manual, they don't put a single word. It's all pictures. I don't know if you guys have ever bought anything from Ikea. It's literally all pictures and it's like happy blobby men putting together bookshelves or, or stovetops or whatever it is. And so I put together this Ikea bed, I came out and I actually did feel like, Tony Stark. I was a legend. Don't just teach me, show me. You got to show me. And so I give you that introduction because we're in a series right now called Unfinished. Okay. We're going through the book of Philippians and Paul, he's given us a lot of teachings right now. Okay. I don't know if you guys have been tracking really well for the last several weeks, but Paul has told us how to fill in the blank, that we should live for Christ and make him our life. He's told us that we need to represent Jesus with our lives. Just last week, Paul told us that we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling because God's work in you and through you is not finished yet. And so for those of you who learn better by seeing it, okay, for those of you who are just like me, they're like, don't teach me, show me. If that's you, I have good news. Paul's instructions, they have pictures included. Everybody says, ah, Right? I got to get a little thing up here that's like, ooh, ah, applause, applause. We'll work on that. We got, we got, we got the entire sermon to work on that. Okay. And so Paul's pictures, they have picture or Paul's lessons have pictures included. You see, we're two and a half chapters into the book here. And it's as if Paul's like, you know what? Enough with the words. All right. I've been telling you a lot of things. I've been giving you a lot of lessons, but now I want to give you some pictures I can talk to you all day, students, about how to live for Jesus, about how to be a mature Christian, how to own your faith. I can talk to you all day, but there comes a point where I say, you know what? Let me just show you. Let me provide you with some pictures that can make this come alive. And so today I want to give you guys some pictures. Do you want to see them? Do you want to see some pictures? Yes. All right. But before I do, you got to check this out. Pictures are alive. All right what? I saw that face, Sam Lieske. The pictures are actually alive. Do you know why? Because the pictures are people. Ah, there we go. All right. All right. There we go. You see, the pictures are actually people. Paul, he's going to give us living illustrations. He's going to show us a couple of dudes that can literally walk out what it means to be a mature Christian. People that you can look to and learn and long after you forget the words, long after you forget my sermon, long after you forget all the lessons from 6th grade through 12th grade, you'll remember their examples and those are the pictures that are included and we're going to look at them and see how do we follow Jesus. Are you guys ready? All right, let's do this. I'm going to read the whole thing and then you guys know the job. We'll break it down. Starting in verse 19. Don't just teach me, you got to show me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So the first person we see here is Timothy. Okay, let's keep reading. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. But There's a second person. Look what he says next. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister for my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. All right, so we have two pictures here. What are their names? Give me one. Timothy. Timothy, And the second one? Epaphroditus. 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 So we have two pictures here, two living pictures, people who are going to live out what it means to be a mature Christian. And so we have the first half about Timothy, the second half about Epaphroditus. And what I want to do is I want to show you, and we'll just like highlight one on each side. There are four traits four traits that they have in common, four traits that they are exemplifying so that they're Philippians and so that our citizens can remember for a long time what does it look like to follow Jesus. So let's go back again through that. I'm going to highlight one from each side. We'll start with Timothy. They said here, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He says a similar thing about Epaphroditus. Look what he says. Epaphroditus was your messenger and minister to my need. So the first thing we see here, the first trait, is that a mature Christian consistently puts others' needs before their own. A mature Christian consistently puts others' needs before their own. I'll give you a little background here. Timothy, he grew up, mommy, daddy, grandma was in the house, and when he was a young man, he became a Christian. And so your boy Timothy, he met Paul, he becomes a Christian, Paul goes out of town. The next time Paul comes through town, Timothy leaves his mom, he leaves his dad, he leaves grandma to go and travel around the ancient world with Paul. And so all of our upperclassmen here, you're like, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to leave mom and dad and go see the world. That's not what Timothy was doing. You see, he didn't travel around to go see the world. He traveled around to go tell the world. And he literally devoted his life to go and spread the good news of Jesus Christ to people who had never heard about Jesus before. And so he goes around and he's making disciples and he's, and they're coming into the church and people are getting saved. And it says that here that he's genuinely concerned for their welfare. See, Timothy was traveling around the ancient world, not for, not for himself, but for them. We also have here Epaphroditus, and Epaphroditus was a good dude. He heard that Paul was in prison. He heard that Paul was locked up. And so he traveled across the world to go to the prison and to bring Paul supplies. It says here that he was a messenger and a minister of of his need. To bring him supplies, to make sure he's being fed, to take care of him, to give Paul what he needed most in prison. A friend. See, he put Paul's needs before his own. And so you might think, yeah, that's a good dude, yeah. No, it's more than a good dude. You see, he was a mature Christian. See, this is more than their personality. This is not just, wow, Timothy and Epaphroditus, I wonder what their Enneagram was. They must have been twos, such a helper, you know. Oh, wow, they were just really, they must have been in Key Club. They were probably just accruing hours for, for their community service, Right. No, this is not their personality. This is not just a community service project. This was the mark of a mature Christian who is filled with the Spirit of God. See, students, when you hear the gospel, when you understand the, the message of salvation, you realize, wow, Jesus left the comfort of heaven and he hung on a cross for me. You realize that Jesus put the needs of the world before his own. And when the beauty of that truth takes root in your heart, when you truly understand, wow, Jesus was the epitome of this humility. When you realize that truth, it takes root in your heart. And the result is you start to live a life that is consistently putting others, people's needs before your own. And before you know it, you start to inconvenience yourself for others. Just like Christ inconvenienced himself. Massive understatement, right? Like he died for us. He inconvenienced himself for us. I'm teaching this right now to my kid. Uh, you guys haven't seen Micah in a long time. He's, he's growing up quite a bit. Um, but I'll show you a little picture here because you can't, you can't hang out and after a long time without seeing it. But Micah Man here. Um, yeah, there we go. We're getting the cues now, right? Uh, Micah's learning a really powerful lesson. and because uh, Micah loves chocolate chip uh, pancakes. So when I'm on my game, I wake up in the morning. You know what I'm talking about, CJ. I wake up in the morning, but I don't make like um, like medallion pancakes. You know what I'm saying? I get the griddle out, because I don't even want just one frying pan. I get the griddle and I make them the size of his head, you know? <laughs> and he cracks up because I get the batter going, I pick it up and I go, more, more, more. He's like, <laughs> and he's just like freaking out, right? And then what we do is we get the chocolate chips out and I, and I give him a handful and I take a handful and we just start going, bam, bam, and we like literally throw them into the batter, you know? But you see, Micah, he had this bad tendency to where after I was cooking them, I put them on the plate. He's sitting at the table and and Everett, who's like, you know, two and a half. He's like, I want back in the Like nobody can understand him except for me. That means I want chocolate chip pancakes. And Micah would put his hand out and he goes, no, I want the biggest one. Ooh. (laughs) You see, Micah, he wasn't looking out for others he's being selfish. And so what I'm trying to do is even in my young child, I'm trying to instill in him the mark of a mature Christian. So I taught him a little song and I'll teach it to you. It goes like this. Look out for others and not just yourself. Look out for others and not just yourself. Look out for others, look out for others. Look out for others and not just yourself. Right, thank you, thank you very much, thank you. And so I taught him that song and I say it in goofy voices and stuff, and he loves it, but it's working (laughs) because we were at the breakfast table and we'd do the, you know, the bam, 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 ooh, more, ah, and we do the pancake thing and I get on the table and he goes, I want the big, wait, actually, no, dad, do you want the biggest chocolate chip pancake? And I go, no, thanks. I'm okay. He goes, am I looking out for others or for myself? I go, you're looking out for others. Oh, right? (laughs) I don't know which one. (laughs) But you see, I, I tell you that story because that's where Timothy and Epaphroditus are at. They're looking out for others and not just themselves. Rather than living selfishly for themselves, they're living examples, pictures of what Paul said to do earlier. Look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. So that's where our boys are at. They're looking out for others. And citizens, Youth, that's where I'm calling you to be this morning. This afternoon, this evening, wherever you are watching this right now, it's morning somewhere in China, okay? Look out for others and not just yourselves. Put others' needs before your own because Jesus has put your needs before His own. And so I'm 29 now. I've been at this for a little bit. I'm going to tell you a little mental trick that helps me to do this because the little voice in my head says, but if you don't look out for yourself, who will, right? If you don't grab the biggest pancake, somebody else will, why not you? And so I've learned this little trick that's really helped me to do this. And it's this. When you realize that you have a father in heaven who is actively looking out for every single one of your needs, who is actively looking out for you, it frees you from that tendency for yourself to have to look out for you. You know what I'm saying? I'm free to care about her concerns because I have a father in heaven who's caring about my concerns. I'm free to make sure that CJ gets what he wants, what he needs, right? Because God's going to take care of me, and but CJ's doing the same thing for her, and she's doing the same thing for him, and he's doing the same thing for. And before you know it, we have a community of mature Christians who are looking out for each other and not just themselves. So that's what a mature Christian does. Okay, they 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 consistently put others' needs before their own. That's number one. Everybody say number one. Number one. All right, here we go. We're going to move on to number two. Let's look at Timothy. And then Epaphroditus. Timothy says, For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. We see something similar on the other side. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in, in your service to me. Second thing we see here, everybody hold them up. Number two. Second thing we see is that a mature Christian lives for something bigger than themselves. A mature Christian lives for something bigger than themselves. What is the most popular question that little kids are asked? Who knows it? What is the most popular question that everybody asks a little kid? Go for it. How old are you? How old are you? Is it up there? That's a good one. What else? Another try? What do you want to be when you grow up, up, right? I want to be a kitty cat. He doesn't know how it works yet, okay? But the most popular question that little kids are asked what do you want to be when you grow up? Anybody remember this movie? Wait for it. Oh. Anybody remember the movie Divergent? I mean, Throwback, right? I don't know about you, but I was so dauntless. I'm still dauntless. <laughs> I have this tattooed on my inner thigh, actually. Um, it's powerful, bro. Yeah. I love this movie, right? What was the, the biggest point of your life? The, the the climax of your young adulthood was the day that you found out who you were right? And the day that you chose, right? One choice can transform you. You're going to choose who are you? What is your role? Where do you belong? There was another movie and it's actually a great, it was such a good movie. They turned it into a book. It's called The Giver. Have you guys seen that one? <laughs> I'm just joking. It's a book. And then they turned it into a movie. Have you guys never read The Giver? No, I haven't. Have you seen the movie though? Yeah. This is what's wrong with our teenagers. <laughs> this is what's wrong with our teenagers, Right? You're like that c.s lewis guy came up with a really good movie i wonder what his books are going to be like um, so anyway the giver similar idea where you're a child and you're looking forward to that day on your 13th birthday or, or 11th birthday whatever it was where you would find out your role what is your job and see i actually like both of these books i've read them all i've seen the movies and i appreciate it because i feel like it captures the heart of every teenager Every teen, I don't care how, how advanced you are. I don't care how, uh, maybe you're, you're just getting into this. Every teenager goes through that season when they go, what am I gonna do? Like, what is my role? What is my contribution to society and to the world? And I love that. But before you answer that question, I want you to learn, not from this picture, I want you to learn from Epaphroditus and from Timothy. Whatever you do, you need to live for something bigger than yourself. Whatever your decision it must be for something bigger than yourselves. You see, in the gospel, we learn that there's actually something way bigger going on above all of us. Like when you're born, you think the world is like this. Right? I remember as a little kid, I used to think that my friends stopped existing when I left. Like literally, I would go to a different house and I go, they don't exist anymore. They're only there when I'm there. Like I, I could not fathom that there was something else going on bigger than me. You know what I'm saying? I know it's like weird child psychology, but I remember having that thought, right? And my mom got scared once because I was like, if I'm not there, are they not there anymore? And she's like, what do you mean are they not there anymore? What are you not telling me? You know, I remember she like called my friend's mom going, is everything okay? But, um, but that's, where, that's how you think the world is. And then you grow up a little bit. You grow up a little bit. And this is what happens, students. You go, I'm mature. I see the world now. But then you become a Christian and you realize There's something way bigger going on than just my city than my state than my country than the globe there is a cosmic god who has created it all and he is orchestrating history itself to glorify him and so you learn the gospel and you go there's something bigger than me there is a glorious and beautiful drama unfolding here god has created the world and he's saving people There's a God who's bringing people into relationship with himself. He is conquering sin and evil. And one day he will reign over all uncontested, uncontested. And so we have here out there, we have people who are all seeking their own interests, but not Timothy. Timothy's out here living for something bigger than himself. He's pursuing the interest of this cosmic deity, Jesus Christ. We have Epaphroditus out here, right? Whose, whose name is, is a little bit, little bit rough here. Let me go back. Um, let's just call him Ditus. Ditus? Or Epaph, I didn't know which one we wanna do. But Epaphroditus, he's out here and he nearly died for the work of Christ. He's literally risking his life. Talk about living for something bigger than you. If your job is a nine to five at McDonald's, how many of you are not trying to take a bullet from McDonald's? You're like, not the Big Macs! And you jump in front of like, like no way! Like that doesn't matter. you see, Epaphroditus has found something so much bigger than himself, something so worth his life, that he's literally risking it. He's traveling all over the world. His health is secondary. His goals are secondary. His financial column is secondary. That's a mature Christian. That's a mature Christian. And so students, I'm telling you, there is something going on in this world that is bigger than you. And there's certain things, we talked about this last week, how does this impact my soul? There are certain things that you can do. uh, There's certain things that you watch. There's certain things that you, and and they kind of make you do this. But I hope with this sermon, I can snap you back to reality to go, oh yeah, there's something bigger going on here. God is at work. He's real and he's saving people. And you get to be a part of that. You get to be a part of that. When you realize how big God's work is, now the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? want to be a doctor great i want to be a fireman great i want to be a baseball player i don't know whatever it is those answers now take on much more meaning because you realize whatever you do at least now you're contributing to something bigger than yourself so what do you want to be when you grow up i don't care do whatever you want but do it to the glory of god and do it in a way that contributes to that glory and so students i ask you what are you living for what are you living for as you're planning your summer plans, as you're planning how you're gonna wrap up high school, you think of post high school. Are you spending your lives on something that will fade away in a few years? Are you spending your life on something that 10 years from now people won't even remember exists? Right, I tell you guys the video games I played as a kid and you laugh at me, you're like those are so dumb. That's gonna be you in 10 years. People are gonna laugh at you. You played Fortnite, oh my gosh, that's like in my history book as the dumbest game ever. Like, That will happen one day? Or are you living and contributing your energy and devotion to something that will last forever in eternity? A mature Christian lives for something bigger than themselves. That's number two. You guys ready for number three? Say number three. three. Let's keep going here. Let's keep going. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Hmm, curious language. Look what he says in the next verse or in the next section. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. And so we're actually switching the picture here. uh, uh, Epaphroditus and Timothy are the picture, but now I want to show you how Paul is actually uh, presenting a picture of a mature Christian. And we learn that a mature Christian, number three, humbly submits to God's will. Humbly submits to God's will. Uh, Somebody give me an example. What are you doing this summer? What's a vacation that you're going to take in the next 12 months? Going camping. Something else. Church camp. Church camp. What else? Um place in Oregon I go to. Some place in Oregon. Cool, nice. cool. Uh something you hope to do in the next five years. Something. Cool. Anything. I wanna go to college. I wanna go to college. I wanna buy a dog. Come on, give me some more plans. You're like I've never made goals before. House. I wanna buy a house. He's like fourteen. My- yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Alright? And so listen, we make plans, right? But look how Paul makes plans. Paul is talking about his travel plans. And yet he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus. Man, Paul, you're not very decisive. You're not very confident, right? He goes, I trust in the Lord that shortly I'll be with you also. Why is he talking like this? He's making plans with humility. And even as he talks, there is a submission to God's will, meaning that ultimately, no matter what he thinks will happen, no matter what he wants to do, no matter what he's planning to do, no matter what he's put on his calendar and his phone, he realizes that ultimately God is in control and God has the last say. And you know what, bro? I want that. So I hope in the Lord Jesus. I trust in the Lord Jesus. And so he embraces that as a follower of Jesus. You see, the way he's talking is the way that James tells us in his book how we should talk. James chapter 4, look at what he says, starting in verse 13. Come now. That's like the ancient way of saying, come on, bro. He goes, come now. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. He goes, shut it. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Oh, snap. He just said, instead, you ought to say, I humbly submit to God's will. You see, growing up, I had my, my parents, they're Christians, beautiful Christian people. And this is my mom and dad. And uh, they used to have this tendency. Aww. Aw, all right, That was unprompted. That was genuine. My parents, they used to say, and I don't know if any of your parents do this but they used to say this phrase that would just drive me bananas. i go, Mom, are we going Are we going camping this summer? And they would go, Lord willing. Mom, are we going to go to the Six Flags this summer on vacation? God willing. Mom, Mom, are we still going to be? Lord willing. And me and my siblings would go nuts because we'd always be like, that's just code for no. <laughs> they just don't want to tell us straight up, you know? But you see, it's actually a really powerful picture. And as I've become an adult, I've realized how beautiful and how wise it is. What they were doing when they were saying, Lord willing, what they were doing when they said, God willing, yes, it was annoying, but they were actually humbly submitting to God's will. Teenagers, let me talk to you. You're getting older. You're going to start having more and more responsibility. There's going to be more and more things that depend on you. You're going to have some major choices coming up here soon. As you do that, as you prepare for that, I can tell you, do this now. Start practicing this mentality. So already start, even with the little bit of responsibility you have, even with the handful of choices that you get to make, you should already start adopting this mentality. If the Lord wills, then I'll do that. If it's God's plan, then it will happen. God's plan, if it's God's plan, then it will happen. Start practicing now. And at the day's end, say that he's my master, and ultimately he's in charge, not me. Look at you guys. You're sitting here writing these down with your smiles and your pens. You're like, that's a great thing, Sam. Yeah, until tomorrow. And you start making plans, and you start coming up with ideas, and the little voice inside of your head says, I want that. And that's great. I mean, like, you can want things. I actually love it when I see students become passionate and decisive and say, I actually want something. And you guys know what it's like, right? When you're like in middle school, you're like, I don't really know. But then they're like, it's like just part of growing up where something clicks and you go, I actually have a desire. I think that's healthy. But with that voice comes another little voice that says, don't say Lord willing. Because I know what I want and I want what I want so bad and I want what I want what I want that I want that I want it that I want it so bad that I'm not even willing to go, well, God, if you, if you don't want this for me, you can take it. I'm not even willing to say that because I'm scared what he'll say. I'm not even willing to have a conversation with him about the college choice that where I want to go. I'm not even willing to talk to him about that relationship. I'm not even willing to talk to him about my summer plans. I'm not even willing to talk to him and even consider that missions trip because I know what I want to do this summer. And we don't even do it because we go, I know what I want and what I want is best. Trust me, God. And God's like, no, trust me. And in those moments, the pride and the arrogance of our hearts deceive us. And you know what we're like in those moments? We're like another little picture here, but it's not a good picture. In those moments, we're like my boy here. Everybody say it. Oh, right? This is what I call cute Everett, right? Look at him with his blue eyes and brown. He's like, dada, chocolate chips. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. But there's another version of Everett. There's cute Everett. And then there's Dino Everett. (laughs) Have you guys ever met Dino Everett? He will literally growl at you. Like he wakes up, like literally. We'll just watch him sometimes because it's so funny. He gets out of bed and you see him wake up and he goes, (sighs) and he comes out and he kicks his feet over and he walks and he looks through his eyebrows and he comes to the door and he goes, (sighs) And just just roared. Like him and Micah play dinosaurs, but he doesn't know like, when the game is over. He thinks he's a dinosaur. I swear to you, okay? Um, but with this mental disorder also comes a little bit of defiance to where he thinks he knows what's best. And so Everett doesn't know. I'm trying to make a game out of it of like, stop, go, stop, go. He doesn't always listen when I say stop. And so we live in a community where there's cars that drive by. And I'll never forget, there was one day where Everett just took off took off out of the cul-de-sac, running right toward the intersection. I was like, Eric, stop! And I just take off after him, you know? And he was not stopping. And I get down and I just get right in front of him and I grab him and I pick him up. And he doesn't go, wow, well, thanks, Dad, for overriding my arrogance. I really was in for it. Th-. What does he start doing? No! And he's kicking and he's thrashing because everything inside of him is like, I know what's best, Father. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna be all right. And little does he know that he's headed toward destruction. I know what's best. And to follow, to humbly submit himself and follow my will is what's safest. That's what it's like sometimes, students. We know what we want. And we talk about our plans. We want to go here. We want to do this. And God's like, trust me. Humbly submit yourself. Let us humbly submit to God's plan. Let him ultimately be in control. To know that with 100% certainty, we can trust His good and perfect will. Amen? Amen. So that's the third thing a mature Christian does. You guys want to see the last one? Everybody say number four. All right, here we go. Last one. He says about Timothy, Paul says, As a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. That's dope. Look what he says about Epaphroditus. He goes, Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. I still think we should be greeting each other like, yo, what's up, bro? What's up, fellow soldier? Soldier! Yo, what's up, soldier? That's the guys. When we come back to youth group, camera, listen to me. When we come back to youth group, that's how we're greeting each other. What's up, soldier? 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 Soldier. Soldier. Not a hard R, just soldier. All right, let's go soldier. All right, here's what I'm saying here. You look at these relationships, right? And you realize that a mature Christian develops gospel-centered friendships. A mature Christian develops gospel-centered friendships. Look at Paul. Look at Timothy. Look at Epaphroditus. I'm going to blow your mind right here, okay? It's the most important thing I'm going to say all day. They were more than Snapchat friends. Say, what? <laughs> These, they, they were more than just Instagram followers of each other. They did more than just play video games together. It says they were brothers. There's a brotherhood here. There's a depth. It says that they were partners, like a father and a son. They were partners. What I'm trying to show you guys here is that they had a relationship that was based on something of substance. They had a relationship here that was centered on their common faith. The thing that glued them together, the thing that that, that connected them as deep friends, as brothers, as partners, as squad mates, was their common salvation. They both knew the gospel. They both knew Jesus. They both were Christians. And so I'm going to teach you guys here a formula. I know math class is not in session, but I'm actually going to teach you the formula for friendship. And so you're like, I've always wanted a friend! I'm going to write this down! Good idea, okay? Here's the formula for friendship. Friendship equals common interest plus close proximity that's how you make friends okay friendship equals common interest so we have something in common close proximity we're close enough to live out our common interest so let me give you an example how many of you have ever had a friend in like sixth period english class and that was like your buddy in that class and then when that class was over you never talked to them again you know what i'm saying like oh yeah i remember we were like friends in eighth grade awkward i'm gonna pretend like i don't know you in killer burger you know and you just keep walking Common interest, we were both in English class together. We, we were both there in a common interest. Close proximity, they sat next to me in class. Once the common interest was removed, once the close proximity was removed, it wasn't, the friendship is dissipating. Well, that wasn't even really a friendship. No, I mean it was, but it just wasn't a very strong friendship. It wasn't a quality friendship. What are some other things? Common interest, we both love video games. Close proximity, we live in the same city. We go to the same youth group. We see each other regularly. We can do that regularly. But you're gonna grow up one day. You're not gonna log 22 hours a day on, on Fortnite and on Forza and on Apex Legends, which is so dead. Oh my gosh, I haven't played Apex in forever because it's so dead. But you, you know, that one day your common interest is gonna move on. And if you just remove one piece of this equation, the friendship dissolves. And so what we see here though with Paul and Timothy with Paul and Epaph- Epaphroditus, is that the common interest, it wasn't something temporary. It was their common salvation. And I'm going to give you a trick here, okay? The only friendship that can last a-, a long distance and a long time is a friendship that is based on the gospel. You see, my friends that I went to school with, that we were in our Christian clubs together and we did Bible study together, the fact, like, those friendships that were centered on our common salvation, even though we don't live next to each other anymore, that friendship is still strong. It's still strong because friendships centered on the gospel are the only ones that last forever. The only ones that last forever. And so students, I'm calling you to build friendships of substance. You don't have forever. You're going to graduate here really soon. A couple of you sooner than later, you know, Hudson, you're going to be a senior in like three days. I promise you, bro. Like I'm looking at these pictures here of of former students on the wall, and I'm like, that felt like yesterday. CJ, you're going to be in the young adult group like tomorrow, summer. You're going to be walking across the graduation thing, and you're going to do your tassel, and it's probably going to be virtual because we're never coming back. And so, like, that's going to be like tomorrow. What are you going to have to show for it with your friendships on the day that you graduate, on the day that you move away from move away to college? You see, my fear is that a lot of our students are not spending time together. My fear is that we're wasting time together. And so I challenge you students, make friendships of substance. Get together with each other and go deep. Talk about your dreams. Talk about living for something bigger than yourself. Be bold and be transparent about what your relationship with Jesus looks like right now be bold and be transparent about your questions about your sins about your real fears because friendships that are based on the gospel last forever like sam i don't like all we really do is play video games how do i even start that after the game is over you look around and you go how are you doing with jesus that would never work talk to our senior cabin guys and they will tell you that's exactly what they do all right guys let's try to go deep where are you at with jesus like was that awkward no are we friends I think so. Awesome. And just, go, I mean, like, that's how, am I lying? And then we cuddle, then we cuddle right? <laughs> Plus cuddling, right? That's like C squared, common interest, close proximity, cuddling. We're going to have to edit that. I'm so sorry, but, <laughs> um, but you guys see what I'm saying? Go deep, man. Make friendships that'll last forever because that's what mature Christians do. Mature Christians, in summary, they consistently put others' needs before their own, They live for something that is bigger than themselves. They humbly submit to God's will. And they develop gospel-centered friendships. These are the four traits that we learn from our two pictures, okay? We see Paul and Timothy, Paul and Epaphroditus, and those are powerful pictures. Thank you for the pictures, Lord. Thank you for the living illustrations, the, uh, the pictures that are alive, that can teach us what it looks like but too bad they're dead. Paul's dead. Epaphroditus is dead. Timothy's dead. And so the only picture that we get from them are the ones that we can read. That's a bummer. Or it would be if the Lord didn't give us more pictures. You see, you don't have Timothy, you don't have Epaphroditus, you don't have Paul, but you, Citizens Youth, you have some pictures in your life, don't you? And you have your youth staffers. You have leaders, like citizens would not be a youth community if it were not for the leaders. Like you cannot have citizens without youth staffers and you have people, and I'm not saying we're perfect, right? Like don't roll your eyes at me, Summer, okay? I'm not saying we're perfect, but I am telling you this, we promise to do our best to live for Jesus and to show you what it looks like to treat your future spouses, to show you what it looks like to treat the person of the opposite sex, to show you what it looks like to live for Jesus, to ask questions, to confess your sin, To do all of these things. To handle your mistakes. So you can come and follow us. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow Lila as she follows Christ. Follow Libby as she follows Christ. Follow Ryan and Chad as they follow Christ. Follow Matt and Joe as they follow Christ. Follow us. Give us a chance. Come and do life. And I know it's awkward, right? 16-year-olds don't talk to adults. You're dumb. Why would you do that? Because we're citizens. Because we're citizens. And we realize that the people of God have always said... Don't just teach me, show me, show me. And God says, I will. And he gives you leaders. And so right now we're gonna take a moment and hear from some of our leaders. Check this out. Citizens youth. Citizens youth. Citizens youth. Citizens youth. Our student community. Our student community. 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 Our student community. Our student community. We 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 miss you. We miss you. We miss you. We miss you. We We miss miss you. you. We miss you! We can't wait to be back together. 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 To be back together in person. In person. We can't wait to be back together in person again. To be back together again. We're close. It's coming. It's almost over. We're close. It's It's coming. coming. It's It's almost almost over. over. It's almost over. It's It's almost over. It's coming. It's almost over. It's coming. It's almost over. But until then, we want you to know we want you to know we want you to know we're, we're here, here for, you. for you and we love you we love you we love you and we're praying for you every day every day every day and that we are praying for you and we are praying for you every day and we're praying for you every day every day if you need, if you need anything, anything if you need anything anything if you need anything let us know we're here we're here we're here because together because together we are a community of students and leaders, we are a community of students, and leaders, who are learning to live for Jesus, who are learning to live for Jesus, for Jesus. Jesus. For Jesus. For Jesus Learning to live for Jesus. For Jesus We are citizens. We are citizens. Citizens. We are citizens We are citizens. We are citizens. 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 We are citizens. Citizens. We are citizens. We are citizens. We are citizens! Citizens. Citizens. We are citizens.